Well, hello, church family, and welcome to this post-sermon wrap-up podcast. Today, I'm Kevin Souter, and I'm here with Pastor Scott Ganusi, who uh, preached on Sunday from Genesis 6 to 9, the gospel according to Noah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic message. So, so tell us, what is the gospel or the good news according mm-hmm. to Noah? Yeah, so gospel is a word I mentioned on Sunday that we use a lot in the church. It's a very popular term and language that we sometimes take for granted. Uh, You ask any person in church, whether they're an adult or a teen, what is the gospel message? And you're bound to get a lot of different answers or responses Mm -hmm. to what the gospel is. But the way I usually just try to put it for people is when we talk about the gospel message, we're talking about a message that um, it's not doesn't have to be perfectly divided into four parts, but it really entails kind of four different elements to it. And we really see those unfold in the story of Noah. They're the ideas of God, sin, rescue, and response. And so mm-hmm. what we saw, I mean, the opening chapters of Genesis are a perfect example of this model of the gospel message that points us ultimately to the gospel hope that we have in Christ. But the way we see that in the story of Noah in the opening chapters, as we saw last week, we see a good and a holy God who creates everything. He has ultimate power. He has ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he is this uh, inaccessible being, but all these things he creates, he creates them good because they are uh, stemming from his own personal goodness. And so God only has the best interest of his creation in mind. And so we are made to worship God exclusively. Unfortunately, the problem facing everyone, and as the opening chapters of the Bible demonstrate, is the problem of sin. Sin mm-hmm. enters the world into in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve rebelling and falling for the temptation of, of Satan to think that they could be like God. And they learn again, they're the first ones who learn that sin does not deliver on its promises. Yep. And uh, their unfortunate act of disobedience plunges all of mankind into sin. And so we, uh, uh, we sin because we are sinners, right? So, um, so it really reveals that for us, and we see how that spiral uh, quickly goes out of control with uh, Adam and Eve and their descendants. We see uh, their sons. Uh, we see Cain killing. Uh, Abel, we see by Genesis chapter five, uh, all these descendants who live for so many years, and they live for a long time, right? But then they die, then they die. <laughs> and uh, God is true to His promises that sin uh, will cause death, and obviously creates separation from Him. But there is also physical uh, consequences that come with that as well. And mm-hmm. of course, by the time we get to Genesis six, every everything is about as bad as it could be. Genesis six five, everything is only evil continually, always, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's a pretty strict com- condemnation there. But the hope hope of the gospel is that God is God of grace, that God is God of rescue, and he provides grace to Noah and to his family. He extends that to them. He bestows it upon them. He provides a vehicle of rescue in the ark, one way for them to be saved from the punishment of sin and destruction that is coming upon them. And uh, that's exactly what happens. They are preserved. They are brought through this flood of judgment and uh, we see just a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Christ uh, does for us when we put our faith in him. And so the gospel message, when you hear that, is to really then respond, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do in response to that? You can either be like Noah, who trusts and believes and puts their faith, as Hebrews eleven seven says, he is an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith, <laughs> right? By right. believing, by trusting in God. Or are you going to be like the... Uh, 
the rest of mankind who for decades upon decades reject God and resist mm. him and uh, will ultimately face his destruction. So there's a call for you to respond. Um, and so it gives a very vivid picture of what that looks like uh, for us, especially now um, as we think about our response to Christ. That's so good. And, you know, just as you think about that four-part understanding of the gospel, you know, mm-hmm. God, sin, rescue, response. I think that's a helpful paradigm for us to think through. Um, when, when we share the gospel with other people, which one of those four do we tend to neglect mm. most? I mean, you know, so I even think about evangelism <clears throat> yeah. and how I share the good news of salvation. Mm-hmm. Any ideas on how this rubric helps correct some of our yeah and i think that everybody's a little bit different i think sometimes you uh you can quickly some people it's they neglect the first part they neglect to have have people have a healthy understanding of why god is worthy of worship right Mm -hmm. like it's just that they recognize this sin and wickedness that things are broken in this world and we need jesus but they neglect the the whole point of why why that's good other than the fact that they need to be rescued right um, that yeah. whole idea of worship other people they neglect the whole idea of 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 sin right and the gospel mm. message is really that you know uh, God is wonderful and he has a great plan for your life. And so you, you know, just trust in him and, you know, he'll grant that to you and you neglect that part or, yeah. um, you know, there's a, for others of us, we are faithful to present the gospel message, but then we leave out the part of the call to respond, right? right. And we just leave it as kind of like an optional, like, here's just the facts and, you yeah. know, do with it what you please when the gospel message is very clear, like, no, repent and believe. Um, you don't see... Paul doing that in his ministry where he's going into these places and like, here's, here's an option for you, you know, do with mm-hmm. it what you will. He's, yeah. he's, he's calling them to something. Repent. So yeah. I think everybody's just different. And I think sometimes those things are driven either by fears, you know, the, that last one there could be driven by a fear of like how people will respond to you. Mm-hmm. Um, others are driven by uh, misunderstanding, right? That uh, we neglect to understand the, the place of sin and what sin has broken uh, in our lives. So, uh, I'm not sure that there's one in particular, but I think all of it is unique to our own situations and where we're at and uh, our interactions with people. Well, I, I I just thought it was a great outline for the text to help mm-hmm. you walk through the story of Noah and the flood. But it's a great outline for us to think about even in evangelism, just mm-hmm. God, sin, rescue, response, making it's, sure we're, we're keeping the whole story it, in our presentation. It makes it a lot easier and less intimidating. Sometimes we think we have to have this big formal presentation, and what I tell people is that you just understand those four words, right? And you just yeah. work through those four ideas, um, and you know what the Bible says about them, then you can use those as kind of just a template for how you have conversations with people, and that's less intimidating than trying to think, I gotta go from some start-to-finish long, you know, chain of things, but yeah. you understand what each of those mean, uh, you have a very faithful gospel message that you can present to people. Well, I have a question about mm-hmm. Sunday's message. Absolutely. So I'm glad you're here because mm-hmm. on Sunday you made a really important point when you were talking about the sinfulness of man, that Noah didn't do anything special mm-hmm. to deserve God's grace. That you talked about verse 8, Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Um, 
But my eyes fell down while you were talking to that. My eyes fell down to the next verse that mm -hmm. says Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. So mm -hmm. can you just help me reconcile uh, how is it that Noah was counted righteous and blameless, mm -hmm. and yet he didn't deserve any of God's salvation? Yeah, absolutely. This is where we also have to recognize that sometimes the way that these uh, verses and the, the way these stories are written uh, chronologically gets a little confusing when things are happening and what takes place, right? Because, yeah, you can read verse 8 and you think like, oh, okay, like, you know, yeah, the Lord, he, he was favorable in the eyes, uh, eyes of the Lord. And then verse 9, it seems like, well, well of course, because he was blameless in <laughs> yeah. his generation. And so you're like, well, so which was it, right? Like chicken or the egg, which one came first? Um, but I, I do believe that verse eight, um, is really giving, especially as you look at verses five through eight there, I think that that is a good summation of everything that was taking place in Noah's generation, right? So mm -hmm. he sees everybody, he sees the extent of every, uh, man who's on the, the earth at this time. And there's only wickedness that he sees. Um, I really, I, I, as I was thinking about this week, I was, I was starting to go through all the, but God statements that you mm -hmm. have in scripture and this is not but God, this is but Noah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that that's the same idea here is that you see this whole chain of like condemnation. And then there's this, you know, as we think about Ephesians 2, 4, right? But God being rich in mercy, right? And so here Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's not that God was looking for someone righteous and it was like, oh, there's Noah. Like we'll use him. I see it as like, no, like God set his sight and his favor upon Noah uh, to be able to provide a means of rescue. Because again, I mean, if he destroys everyone, he would have to totally recreate from the surface. And I think here he's, he's going for something bigger of what it actually looks like to provide a person and a vehicle of rescue for mankind. Um, and I think that, yeah, what you see then with Noah, this idea in verse 9 that Noah walked with God, um, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I, I think that this is all like what really kind of is like, the newness of life that brings into Noah's life now, right? So it's not that he was walking blamelessly before that, but it's that God has called him out of mm -hmm. that and now is walking with him uh, in that. And that's very faithful and true to what we find in the story of the scriptures, right? Like, I mean, as we're going to learn, you know, uh, five chapters from now with Abraham, God did not choose Abraham because, you know, he was right. the worthy one to call him to make a people out of. His family were idol worshipers, right? right. But God just... It's like, you know what, I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to use Abraham. I'm going to call him out of this and we're going to, mm. we're going to bestow grace upon him. And that's just the way that God's, as we see that throughout the scriptures, especially as we get into the new Testament, we see the truth of that. We are dead in our trespasses and sins that our sins deserve, uh, death that we are apart from Christ condemned. And so apart from God, making that first step towards Noah, Noah doesn't, run to the ark, right? Yeah, so right. Uh, I think that's a very important principle that we see throughout Scripture then. And what hope, mm -hmm. what what amazing grace that offers to every single one of us mm -hmm. in our sin. Because <laughs> every one of us knows we're not perfect. We, we don't please God. We don't obey mm -hmm. all the time in every way. And yet... Mm -hmm. God shows favor it's, and God shows grace. It what is, an amazing God. It is, it is a, it's a message of hope because if you're hoping to be good enough or righteous enough for God to 
choose you and bestow favor, guess what? You're you're gonna you're gonna be searching your whole life because you're not gonna meet that, right? right? And so that's the message of grace is that it's undeserved, it's unmerited, and it's free. So I mean that's that's the real the real joy and the hope I think that a message like this with Noah brings. Fantastic. Okay, now there's all kinds of questions that come up with the flood account. So um, let's see if we you can... want to know about the dinosaurs. <laughs> well, I want to know. So I've always heard that it took Noah 120 years mm -hmm. to build the ark. Mm -hmm. I noticed you didn't say 120 years mm -hmm. during the sermon. You said it took him several decades. Mm -hmm. How long did it take Noah to build mm -hmm. the ark? Yeah, and that's a question that I'm not afraid to say I can't answer in, in its entirety. So we, you don't know we, everything, I know, right? Scott, so come on now. It's, uh, it's funny. So the, the reason 120 years is often given is if you look at Genesis 6-3, when God is beginning to see the corruption that's on the face of the earth, he says in verse 3, my spirit shall not abide in man forever for his for he is flesh. His day shall be 120 years. Now, some people take that to mean that he's setting a limit on man's not, I'm not going to allow man to live any longer past 120 years old because at this point people are living hundreds of years right. right i mean methuselah not that long ago uh or later on yeah methuselah lived 969 years so um some people take it that way or some people take it to mean it's from that statement god saying listen mankind is now officially on the clock 120 years from now i am going to unleash my judgment upon them with the mm. flood so that's where that number comes into play and it might be important to it. I, I'm not sure that I have a full conviction yet on that, but one of the things that's maybe helpful for us to think about as we think about maybe how long down in chapter five, verse 32, we see that Noah was 500 years old uh, or after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So we know that he didn't become a father until 500. So that's okay. that's impressive, right? Um, <laughs> we don't even know what 500 looked like back then. Yeah, 500 right. probably looked pretty good still. But um, So he's 500 years old before he even fathers Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And in chapter 7, verse 6, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. So... That's a hundred years right there um, that we know of. So it was within this hundred year time. Up in chapter 6, verse 18, when God is warning him of the flood and telling him to build the ark, he says, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So he's talking about your sons and your sons' wives, which would maybe indicate to us Unless God just knew that they would be married eventually, but um, that and that's possible, certainly. But if he's taking it from the perspective that his sons are already married, his that would be another 20, 30 years probably after he fathered them when they were 500, when he was 500. So that would make Noah potentially at that time anywhere from 525 to 550. And so that's where you could maybe say that the time to build the ark was maybe closer to... 50 to 75 years. Um, it's really hard to say with certainty on it, and that's okay, but it does show us it took a long time. I mean, this was a big, big box that he was building, and right. so it took a long time. Well, okay, so then that kind of raises the question about lifespans, too, because yeah. before the flood, you see this, you know, 900-some years, uh, you know, in chapter 5, all these people lived all these years, and, and they're hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. After the flood, all the genealogies show that it's like 
a hundred years is kind of topping it out mm -hmm. or less. And so by the time you get to David, it's three score and 10. Mm -hmm. Talk, talk me through lifespans, what, mm -hmm. what's going on here. And mm -hmm. then, um, how does this how does this relate to what we understand of how God created the earth mm -hmm. and then what changed with the flood? Yeah, and again, we don't know with full certainty here, but my conviction is that what probably is happening, you know, you bring up the point of lifespans that drastically decrease after Genesis uh, 6 through 9. Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, it, it plummets pretty quickly, and eventually by the time of, you know, you get to the age of Jesus, or even as you said, David, I mean, people are living normal, what we would consider relatively normal lifespans. And so I do believe that the flood has something to do with that. And so the question is what, the, like what yeah. happened, what changed? You kind of brought up back in Genesis, kind of this perfect world that God created. And if you remember Genesis, I, I talked about this very briefly on Sunday, Genesis chapter two, verse five, uh, talks about when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. There seems to be some idea here of saying that there was some type of really unique uh, biological biosphere that people were living in at this time. And it seems like they were, it was almost like a greenhouse they were living yeah. in, a really perfect environment. And some of that had to do with what was happening on the land, but also what was happening in the sky. If you remember in chapter seven, when the floods come on the earth, um, it says in verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened. Um, that idea of the windows of the heavens were opened uh, is interesting. Uh, I mentioned before, because of what we read in Genesis 2 there, it's possible that it hadn't actually ever rained on the earth. Mm -hmm. People didn't know what it was because there was this mist atmosphere. They didn't really need it. Um, but then that day, God opens up the, the deeps, which hard to know what that means, but like cracks it open and water is coming up from below, but water is also coming down from above. Yeah. And we talked about the floodgates of heaven being opened up. I think what that is, the only way that I think the, uh, you know, Christian, uh, scientists, whatever you want to call them, like would talk about would be that back then there might've been this, like what we call a firmament, uh, that like this watery, uh, shield that basically shielded the entirety of the earth mm -hmm. and this whole firmament basically is being brought down so this watery this watery yeah. shield is just entering and pouring itself out that's why there was so much rain that was able to dump itself onto the face of the earth so the problem is then after the flood all that water that was protecting the earth is now gone that sphere is now open to more effects of the sun lifespan after this time begins to deteriorate and so now we see people living normal lifespans and that's uh, so that's the best understanding of it. I know there's a lot of questions that that raises. There's a lot of good work that's been done on this. The answers in Genesis people are a great resource if you want to learn kind of more about how they describe mm -hmm. that. Um, the Book of Beginning series by Henry Morris is really good. Um, so all those are if you, that, that kind of raises more questions, I recognize, but I think that's the best way to understand what's probably happening at this time in that setting. That's that's really helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for, again, preaching us the gospel mm -hmm. according to Noah. You know, your main point was that Noah and the flood 
points us to God's ultimate rescue plan in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, every one of us have sin. Every one of us have disobeyed God. And we need rescue. Mm -hmm. We need a Savior. And God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. so that whoever believes in him should not perish in the flood of judgment, Mm -hmm. but should have everlasting life with Mm -hmm. him forever. What an amazing good news that Mm -hmm. is for us. Well, thanks, church, for uh, sticking with us in this series. We pray that these uh, post-sermon podcasts are really an encouragement to you. And we pray that your heart is blessed as you think about the gospel according to Noah. Thank you, Pastor Scott.